Welcome to this week's edition of the Pete Mazzetti Show. I'm Pete Mazzetti sitting here with Susanna from, who's the Executive Director of Read to Grow. Susanna, welcome, how are you? I'm all right, Pete, thanks for having me. Thanks for, st thanks for stopping by, it's been a while. Last time I, you and I were together was right before the pandemic. That's right, I think actually during, just the beginning of the pandemic. That's, that's right, that's right, <laughs> yes. it, was, it, was, yes. it was that long ago. So how have you guys been? We're doing all right, Good. we're doing all right. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about Read to Grow and exactly what you guys do. So Read to Grow has been around for 22 years and uh, we were started by Roxanne Cody and a committed group of her friends. Okay. And they, um, they learned that not all children in Connecticut have books of their own at home. Ah. And they set out to change that. And okay. so the first thing they did was hand out books to newborn newborns in their families um, at Yale New Haven Hospital. They went around with copies of Goodnight Moon and gave them out to new parents. And that was 22 years ago. And now we have uh, presence in 13 hospitals around Connecticut. We give our book, Welcome to the World, that we publish to every single baby born at those 13 hospitals, as well as information for the parents about the importance of reading, to their child, even when their child is just a little bitty baby, mm -hmm. and how important that is to brain development. And, um, and we have really a continuum of services now. So we have a presence in every county across Connecticut, and we try to create communities of literacy. So we start with our prenatal project, which is with nine community health centers around Connecticut and that our healthcare providers uh, give our literacy message to expecting families as well as books. Okay. Fast forward to the hospital, giving out books to newborns, and then families who want to can enroll to get more books from us. There you go. And then you get to our Books for Kids program, and uh, that is really also a continu continuum of services. So any family, this yeah. is really important, any family in Connecticut can request books online from Read to Grow, and we will mail them to them free of charge, or mm -hmm. they can stop by our warehouse in Brantford and pick out the books. And then we also get um, over 200 requests from childcare providers and schools across the state for books throughout the year. Okay. So we give out books that way. And then our final program is our Early Steps program. Oh. And Early Steps to School Success is actually a program that was developed by Save the Children. Mm -hmm. uh, but in Connecticut, uh, Read to Grow operates it and employs six coordinators. So we have four coordinators in New Haven and four coordinators in Bridgeport. Sorry, two coordinators in Bridgeport. Oh. And um, this is a home visiting program. So we work with families with children who are infants all the way through age three. And we do regular home visits. We bring resources like books, other um, uh, things like toys, diapers, resources for food. So these are families who um, typically wouldn't have books of their own at home. Okay. And so really helping them support their child in being uh, ready for school. Now, how did you guys fare out during the start of the pandemic as, as far as activities and distribution and where, and where are we now? It's a great question. So, you know, just like for everyone, Read to Grow, everything shut down. For the first two weeks, we stopped, put, you know, everybody went home figured out how to get onto Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nothing was happening in our warehouses. Books were not coming in, not going out. Um, we were really lucky with our hospital program because we were well stocked at all of our hospital sites. 
and babies continue to be born Absolutely. and you know the staging of materials those materials were already in the hospital so the books continued to go out through the hospital program and slowly but surely we figured out okay is it safe to have folks in on a staggered schedule yes okay so let's let's figure this out so we can continue to do this work hands-on um, and you know the other thing that happened the first spring of covid is everyone's at home and they start to clean out their homes. Right. And so we're the phone is ringing off the hook. We've got books to donate. Okay. <laughs> and by the way, Read to Grow what, loves to get books um, donated. So we accept children's books, new and gently used. Okay. So anybody out there who's looking to donate books, please think about Read to Grow. Um, so we got a ton of book donations just in that first couple of months. And then the other thing that happened was um, you know, our founder, Roxanne Cody, she's trying to keep her bookstore uh, afloat during those early months. Yeah. And we're looking at Read to Grow saying, you know, we got to we got to figure this out here. We want to keep everybody on on staff. Mm -hmm. um, so we joined forces and we partnered with Chris Murphy, Senator Chris Murphy, sure. and yeah. he put out um, a call for donations uh, to have us get brand new books into the hands of children who were going to schools for the school meal pickups. Okay, yep. Um, and so very quickly, he helped us raise a significant amount of funds to be able to purchase brand new books and drop ship them to various schools around the state. And then we mobilized a whole crew of volunteers to distribute those books when the children came to pick up their lunches. Cool. Yeah. So over 70,000 books were distributed through wow. that initiative Wow! over the course of that spring, summer, and absolutely. fall. So. Absolutely. Now tell, us a little, now tell us a little bit about each program that you guys have and maybe get into a little bit detail of, each, of the program and exactly what they do. Sure, sure. So, you know, if we start with, um, I'll do the continuum of our programming because sure. it sort of makes sense along the, the lifespan of a child. Sure. So about six years ago, we launched our prenatal program, and that's you know working with families who are expecting their first, second, third child, but they're expecting a baby. Okay. And um, it's uh, it's designed to be um, implemented at community health centers. Mm -hmm. So we're working with families who qualify for Husky largely with that program, and um, you know we work with the healthcare providers, and so they deliver the literacy message usually at 13 weeks and then at the 28 week check-in. Okay. And they're also giving books at that time. So they're talking about the importance of reading, they're talking about how their baby can actually hear them mm -hmm. in utero. Yeah. Um, they encourage reading and bonding in the start of that home library so that when baby arrives, you already have the books for baby to go to for you to share with that child. Um, and then, so that's prenatal, and then we've got our flagship, the newborn project in the hospitals. We give out 22,000 books a year through that program. Um, and that is, you know, right, in, COVID put a pause on our volunteer opportunities through that okay. program. We have a significant amount of volunteers who go into the hospitals, who for a long time have met with families right after they've had their baby, just encouraging them to read and sing and play mm -hmm. with their child and showing them that, you know, Read to Grow is here, here's the book. Right. Um, and that's starting to reopen. You know, we're sort of seeing a trend in hospitals welcoming volunteers back in person, yeah. allowing them on the maternity floor. So that's good news. 
Um, but in the interim, the healthcare staff at those all those hospitals have been delivering that message. Oh yeah. And they're just hats off to them for Absolutely. many reasons. Absolutely. But it's really incredible. And you know, we get surveys back from families who we give them the opportunity to tell us what they liked about the program, what they would change, and we get so many comments thanking us for, you know, the messaging, the um, the time that somebody took to talk to them about it. Um, they said, you know, we know that reading is important, but I didn't realize that I could really read to my newborn, exactly. and how important that is. Right. You know, I thought I would just wait till my child had was able to talk. No, starting from when they're a newborn, it helps with that brain development. Exactly. So the newborn project, um, and then we ha we actually launched a, a new program in the middle of COVID. Oh boy. We launched our NICU project. So uh, that started at the Connecticut Children's. Um, NICU in Hartford, okay. and that was with a wonderful doctor, Dr. Len Walla, and she and her team worked with Read to Grow on establishing a very simple idea, right? You provide two books and information about the significance of reading to your baby to parents whose children are in the NICU, and frequently for those parents and those children, they're not able to necessarily Sometimes they can't hold their baby because their baby's hooked up to a whole bunch of machines. Right. Um, there's a lot of different things going on. And so uh, what we know is that for parents who in many senses are in a situation where they feel completely out of, they don't have any control over right. what's happening. It's a very scary time. Mm -hmm. Actually having a book to read to their child is one of those anchoring experiences. So, um, you know, again, with the feedback we hear from parents, this is the one thing that I could do for my child when they were sick and in the NICU. Um, and there's also a whole bunch of studies that show that just for, for those babies, hearing the words and hearing their parents' voice mm -hmm. actually leads to better outcomes. And so babies who are read to in the NICU have a statistically significant better chance of, you know, leaving the NICU on a faster timeline, better life outcomes overall. Um, you know, there's a lot of other things that go into that, but it's a pretty incredible, just reading to your baby in that situation has an impact. Wow. So we're at Hartford Hospital with that, and then we also just expanded to Farmington. Okay. So there's a, um, a NICU that Connecticut Children's operates at the, um, the, the Yukon Health site in Farmington. Sure. Um, so we just brought up 300 literacy packets up there. So that's the NICU program. Um, so any family that receives the, the book and the packet in the hospital can sign up to get more books from us. Okay. They fill out a little card either online or you know, a, a card that is prepaid, they can drop it in the mail and, uh, and we'll mail them books throughout their baby's first year of life at three months and a year. We'll mail it to their home and we give them more information about how they can access other resources. We give them information about developmental milestones. Um, we give them reading lists of other books we recommend. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, after that first year, we've given them the resources to know, okay, I can go and request books from Read to Grow as my child gets older. Right. I can go to a Read to Grow book place in my community. So mm -hmm. we've established these book places with other nonprofit partners across the state. Um, so other nonprofit partners agree to have a bookshelf in their waiting area. It has to be in a public place during 
and open to anybody who walks into that building. Can't just be for the people that they're serving. Right. Anyone with a child should be able to walk in and pick out books for their child. And we don't expect the books back. The idea is that we want families to build their home libraries. So there was a, a study done about 20 years ago <laughs> that okay. showed that um, you know, the, the number of books in a home is a better predictor of the educational outcomes of a child okay. than the educational levels of their parents. Really? So literally 20 books can make a difference. So just having 20 children's books for your child can make a difference in terms of their overall educational outcomes. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily mean you might read those books, but right. the idea that is that if you have the books for your child, if they're accessible to them, they're more likely to engage with them, mm -hmm. you're more likely to engage with, with your child with those books. Right. So you're doing a lot of good if you, if you have the books in the home. Absolutely, absolutely. And what other programs do we have going so on? So then we have our Early Steps program, mm -hmm. and so we launched that four years ago now, or sorry, three years ago now, just before COVID. Um, and that's in New Haven and Bridgeport. Okay. And we have, um, you know, for, for most of Read to Grow's programming, it's about promoting literacy. It's yep. about providing access to resources. Mm -hmm. we're, not the, we're not the literacy organization that um, tutors children. Okay. Um, there are other wonderful organizations that do that. That is not the role that Read to Grow plays. We really are a piece of the puzzle in terms of moving the needle on literacy. So we, um, you know, the, we, we distribute over 130,000 books a year. Oh, wow. And we've, we, um, so we serve a ton of kids through the programs I just described. Early Steps is different because we're really lasered focused on a few families. So each coordinator has 20 families that they work with intensively. Okay. And then they also have a second set of 30 families at the preschool level who are getting books. They don't work, they don't do the home visiting with the preschool students, but they're, mm -hmm. it's a regular monthly interaction. Um, and the idea is really supporting families. I mean, it's, it's aligned with our mission, right? It's supporting families as their child's first teacher. It's meeting them where they are. So. We're not saying, you know, you're doing it wrong. We're saying, look at all these things you're doing right. Exactly. Here's some other things that you can do to really support your child, making sure they're hearing lots of vocabulary words. Mm -hmm. If you are a Spanish-speaking family, encouraging them to speak in their native language, right? Mm -hmm. There's a misperception that for many immigrant families that, okay, we want our children to learn English, so we're only gonna speak English. But if the parent's English isn't strong, you're actually depriving your child of hearing the rich language that is native to your tongue. And exactly. so if you um, speak your, the language you most feel comfortable in, mm -hmm. that's building the neural pathways for your child. Absolutely. And they will learn English. <laughs> right. They will learn it. Absolutely. But give them that base to build those neural pathways. So, you know, Early Steps is about encouraging families, celebrating what they're doing well, giving them more opportunities and access to resources. We run monthly play groups with our families so they get to gather, they get to do read-alouds and dancing and singing activities and um, the coordinators also go into the schools and do read-alouds and literacy activities with the preschool children. Families are reporting how often they're reading to their child. So there's an accountability piece to this. Oh, cool. um, this is also a program where we do a bit more measurement okay. of you know, our impact. So whereas with you know, Books for Babies, 
the books go out, we get the, the surveys back, but we don't know if that really led to a child reading on the third grade level, right? right? We know it's giving them a strong start, but we don't know if, if they're reading on the third grade level by the time they reach third grade. Right. With early steps, we're able to measure, we use a, a test called the Peabody Picture Vocabulary Test, and that's a test that it's um, 15 minutes. Okay. <laughs> it's um, not a nerve-wracking experience for a child because they don't have to write anything. Exactly. They're sitting with the the person who's testing them and they get to point to different things and use the words they know. Okay. Um, but that gives us a baseline so we know, okay, this child has, you know, is able to use vocabulary at whatever level. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then we go back when they turn five and we, we look at it again and see where they are. And what you start to see is children who have been through this program do start to show you know, their, their, um, their levels are going up in terms of their ability to use more words, um, which means that when they really start reading, they're going to be more successful. Absolutely. And that in turn sets them up to be on grade level Absolutely. as they move forward. Now, how is that the 15 minute test? Is it a fun test or is it sort of that's a nerve wracking. <laughs> Wait, when we say test, we all kind of. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh. Um, so it's the, the parents are present when it happens. They can't interact with their child, but they're in the same room. Okay. Um, they don't sit at a table. You know, they're, they're, they can even do it on the floor. Um, and the, the, um, the coordinators are trained to, to facilitate the test in a way that is not stressful to the child and ah. the family. We also administer the test in Spanish. There's a whole separate PLS test, which um, yep. we have trained coordinators who are able to do that. Um, so we've done the tests outside. <laughs> you know, you name it. It's um, it's it's the the goal is not to f make the child feel like they um, are in a stressful situation. No, absolutely, not. and I'm sure. And I'm sure during, like you said, if the child is bilingual in another language, and yes. then the adult is speaking English, right. but you might also want to teach a little bit of your native your native language or your bilingual language to your child so they can yes. actually choose to speak either either and or both. Yes, exactly. There may be multiple languages being spoken. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the, um, the we also uh, administer um, the ASQ, which is an ages and stages questionnaire, and that's for parents, and so okay. the parents complete it, and um, many people may be familiar with the ASQ when they go to take their child to the pediatrician. Okay. So at various points when you go for your wellness visit, the pediatrician will likely ask you to complete an ASQ, mm -hmm. just to see, you know, is your child on, in terms of developmental milestones, and to identify if there's extra support needed. We administer it more regularly, um, and so it's just a little bit more fine-tuned in terms of our ability to support a family if it is identified that a child may need additional supports. And occasionally we do see that. Occasionally we see children who may have developmental delays, um, and we're able to connect them to birth to three services okay. or other supports within their, um, you know, within their community. And you guys wrote, you guys are publishing books. 
We are. From what I understand. <laughs> yes, yes. So, um, you know, we've, we've published our Welcome to the World book, which is the board book that we give out at all the hospitals. Mm -hmm. We've published that for a while, and we, we publish it in English and in Spanish. Okay. Uh, Bienvenidos al mundo. And um, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was speaking with um, a supporter who's, who's a lawyer for the um, Children's Community Programs of Connecticut. Okay. And she was talking about, wouldn't it be wonderful if we could partner to publish a book together for, for Connecticut children? And so we'd, we'd started the conversation and then the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. And um, I sort of said, you know, I think we have an opportunity here. I think we have an opportunity to publish a board book that addresses what's happening right now in a way that is accessible to very young children. Right. And this is not a book that tells you how to put your mask on or tells you why you need to wash your hands. Let's do a book where children are wearing masks. Right. But that's, you know, the, the words are about other things. Um, and it was important to show a child of color. So the main character um, is a black boy. Okay. And, um, and we had a whole team creating this book. So we had Amy Vatner, who's the author. She's the lawyer. Okay. And, um, and we had Gabriella Svenningson, the illustrator. Uh, and then we had Isaac Bloodworth, who was our art director. And, um, and then we had one of our early steps coordinators actually translated it into Spanish. Cool. And the premise is, it's called Hello Sometimes. And uh, the premise is, you know, sometimes it's this and sometimes it's that. Little boy wakes up in the morning and looks at himself and says, you know, sometimes <laughs> this, is, this is the way it's going to be. Sometimes it's hot, sometimes it's cold. Um, you know, sometimes I take the bus, sometimes I take the car. Exactly. Right? Um, and, it, you know, it, it, it shows these scenes of life, and we don't mention COVID. No. We don't mention COVID at all, but what you start to notice is there's, there's a mask on. Ah. Not every scene, right? There are some scenes at home where neither the mother nor the boy have a mask on, but they're, you know, they're reading together, right? Mm -hmm. So you have an opportunity to show some of the behaviors you're trying to encourage. Um, so it's a board book. And we did two publishing runs of 11,000 copies each, so 22,000 books. Holy and God. when you walk into our office, I have one box left in the hallway of those 22,000 copies. <laughs> um, they've gone out to schools, childcare providers, families, people from other states have purchased copies of this book. Oh, wow. So, um, you know, the reception was. We knew that it would be received well. We didn't know how well. Yeah. We were expecting, okay, well, we'll get enough funding to do that first run. Okay, we need to do a second run. Mm -hmm. Oh, we need to do a third run. Uh -huh. And that third run is arriving uh, in early May. Okay. And we already have a waiting list this thick <laughs> of, you know, people who've signed up to get more copies for their children. Um, so thanks to the uh, Valley Community Foundation, they were the first funder to step up for this project. And then there were a number of other funders who stepped up, the Seedlings Foundation, 100 Women Who Care, Fairfield County, um, Citizens Bank, um, uh, the Scripps Family Fund for the Education and the Arts, uh, the United Way, 
um, of New Haven, of mm -hmm. Greater New Haven. Um, there were a number of really significant funders who said, okay, this is a project we believe in, but that Valley Community Foundation, if they had not said, okay, this is, this is something we wanna, we wanna fund to distribute to children in Ansonia and Seymour right. and Derby, um, you know, they really deserve the credit. <laughs> Absolutely. Now you guys reach all over the state of Connecticut, right? Correct. We are everywhere, everywhere, whether it's through our hospital program, through Books for Kids, Early Steps is obviously just in New Haven and Bridgeport, yep. but um, yeah, with the with the other programs, we are across the state. And before I forget, if people want more information on Read to Grow, where can they go? www.readtogrow.org. And what types of information can they find on the website? Uh, so we have information about the need. Okay. You know, Okay, so you're trying to figure out what nonprofit to support. Why should we support Read to Grow, right? So there's um, there's information about the effect of low literacy oh, what? for children's life outcomes for our society and our communities. Um, there's information about how you can get involved, how you can sponsor a book drive, how you can sign up to donate books. You don't have to run a book drive, but if you have books to give, we have a sign up online where you can sign up to drop off books for us. It also has, um, you know, the different forms. So you can submit a request to receive books from us. You can uh, submit a request to order books for, let's say, your child care provider who would like a set of Hello Sometimes for exactly. your classroom. You can request that from us. And if you are a child care provider in Connecticut mm -hmm. who would like copies of those books, again, this is free of charge to you. This is not, we are not asking you to pay um, for the books. Um, unless you really want to, yeah, right, right. <laughs> we won't say no. Exactly. Um, but the you know the intention is to make it accessible. So um, yeah, so the website has a lot. Um, also information about a new event that we started called Popcorn and PJs. Um, Sounds good to me. <laughs> right. All right. <laughs> Not just for kids, right? Exactly. Yeah. So that was a virtual event, which will continue even after hopefully COVID dies down even more. All right. um, but it was a way to bring events to families in a safe way. And so the idea is that once a month, mm -hmm. we have a children's book author who's just published a book and or the illustrator join us online. And they read their book and they take children through a drawing session. But the key of this is that every family that participates also got a box shipped to their doorstep with a copy of the book, crayons, a sketch pad, popcorn, a couple of other goodies. And so they actually have all of these items at the ready. And what you see is a community of families who don't have to worry about getting onto the bus or getting into their car. Right. They join from the comfort of their own homes. Mm -hmm. People are eating dinner. Kids are in their pajamas, they're relaxed, you see families interacting, you see them asking questions together, reading the books together. It's really a beautiful community and it's happening virtually. Absolutely. So sometimes the virtual world is a good thing. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Now, now the the popcorn to PGA's project it's still it's still ongoing, correct? So yes, yeah, so we just wrapped up our winter season right. in March, and then we'll kick off our next season in October. So there's a little bit there's of a, a little bit of a lull, little bit of a lull That's okay. but we are already lining up the authors. They're really excited, and the nice thing is the word of mouth that happens. So we've got authors recommending other authors who know that a book is about to come out. Really? So we found some of our most wonderful. I mean, all the guests are wonderful, but some of the right. most the really special moments are these authors that have been recommended by their friends. Absolutely. Now, are you guys with Read to Grow with your facility back and open to the public? That's a great question. So, um, yes, for the most part. So, um, yeah, so our office in Branford, anybody can walk in. Okay. Um, for book donations, we still ask that people sign up for a time to drop a, off their books. Okay. And that's mostly because it just helps us maintain, you know, yep the the inventory mm -hmm. <laughs> so you know prior to covid sometimes we had people drop books off on the weekend or and they drop it off outside and even if you have a container for them you don't know what the weather's going to do so no, of course not um so this allows us to have a little bit more control over making sure the books stay clean dry yep um so yeah on our website there's a there's a quick link if you want to donate books it says donate books click on that sign up for a slot um, and anybody can drop the books off. And now, if you request books, it used to be that we'd just mail them to you. Yep. If you request books, you can select whether you want to pick them up or have them mailed to you. Ah. If you come to pick them up, you actually get to pick out more books. Ooh. <laughs> so that's an enticement to come right. to our office. Exactly. So, and then we're also back open to our wonderful volunteers. Well, so. we're going we're to talk about the wonderful volunteers when we come back. Would you mind sticking around, sticking around for another segment? Sounds good. All right, we'll be right back. Thanks, Pete. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. You matter. You matter. You matter. And your words matter too. Your words matter. What you say in the hallways at school or in the student section at a game matters. Words can be hurtful. Words can be offensive. Words can leave scars. Words can also inspire. Support and uplift. You and your words. Are they both important? As, As a matter of fact, yes. Welcome back to this week's edition of the Pete Mazzetti Show. I'm Pete Mazzetti sitting here with Susanna, who's the executive director of Read to Grow. Welcome back. Thank you so much, Pete. Thank you. All right, so we were talking in the first segment about Read to Grow and all the wonderful things you guys do, but let's open this segment talking about the wonderful volunteers that you guys have. I love that, I love that prompt. So, uh, you know, we have some of the best volunteers out there, okay. truly. We have um, over 80 active volunteers, even during COVID. Right. And we have volunteers that have been with us 10, 15, I think 18 years is now the longest we have oh my goodness. in our ranks, which is really incredible. You yeah. know, the average length of time for a volunteer is like one to three years. Mm -hmm. That's sort of the turnover you see in okay. general across volunteer right. organizations. Sure. 
18 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, we have a lot of different ways that people can volunteer. So if you are interested in helping us in our warehouse, we have volunteers who help us pack our literacy packets okay. for our hospital program, for our newborn program, for the NICU project we just launched. We have um, opportunities for volunteers who might be retired librarians, so they know about children's books mm -hmm. to help us sort and classify ah. and, um, and also to pack those family requests. Okay. So what I didn't mention in the first segment so before COVID, yes. we would get an average of 250 requests a year from families online. All right. Now, we are outpacing that by a lot. So okay. since July, we've mm -hmm. received almost 2,000 requests from families wow. for books. Wow. So we ha our coordinators are working as fast as they can to fill all of those requests. Um, and so we have volunteers who are helping with that. Okay. We also have a number of volunteers who help us in the hospital. So obviously that portion of our programming has sort of been on pause mm -hmm. from the volunteer perspective. Yeah. And it depends on what hospital you live near. Exactly. Um, but some of the hospital systems are opening back up. Okay. So that's an opportunity. Uh, L&M is open. Yep. Our uh, Griffin is reopening. Sure. Um, so there's a number, Middlesex is going to be reopening. So there's a number of hospitals that are um, you know, there's an opportunity. Yeah. And we, we always need more help with that because um, we try to make sure that every family that has a baby gets to meet with someone. Absolutely. And so if you can do odd times like a Friday or a Sunday, right. <laughs> just for two hours, that's all we need. We'll train you. You do have to get badged through the hospital system, so there's a little bit of a paperwork. Okay requirement at mm -hmm. the beginning, but once you're badged and um, you do have to be vaccinated, right, all obviously. of those things, you have to turn in all your forms. But once all that's cleared, you're good to go. We train you um, and we have volunteers. That's some of our longest standing volunteers are in the hospital side of things. Okay. They get addicted. Yeah. You know, what's better than meeting with families that just had their first baby? Absolutely. And there's, you know, so, um, so that's an opportunity. And then we also have some opportunity for data entry. <laughs> I know that oh, sounds thrilling. Oh, fun. Um, but we have, you know, if you're great with computers and uh, you have a couple hours to spare, we get a ton of surveys back and mm -hmm. a ton of other things back where we need, um, we need folks to help us enter that into our database. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of different opportunities. Now I will tell you, and I think you were probably getting to this, um, we have a new exciting program coming up. So we got funding from Centerville Bank okay. to uh, get a bookmobile. So yes, I was getting to this. Yes, <laughs> did I, go, I go, stole go. the question? You did, but go ahead. Um, so that is really exciting. This is something you know when I so I, I stepped into this role two months before COVID. Oh, and the fall before I was interviewing for this. Um, uh, you know, I had to be interviewed by the staff before I stepped into the role. Mm -hmm. And so I asked them in that interview, I asked them all, you know, if you could change one thing about Read to Grow, what would it be? And I went around the room and everybody had a chance to respond. And when I got to the Books for Kids coordinators, they looked at me and they said, we want a bookmobile. We want a, a vehicle that we can take around the state so that we can reach the kids that we're not reaching right now. Right. 
So that really stuck in my mind. And thanks to the generosity of Centerville Bank, mm -hmm. we have been able to order that vehicle. Now with the supply chain issues, we ordered it in September. Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's when? not arriving until early May. And then okay. it'll go, it'll go to have its, uh, we'll, we'll put a nice fun wrap on it. Yeah, absolutely. So that's gonna happen. So really we'll have our first launch event in June, but really launching it this summer, just in time for summer reading. So Excellent. yeah, really All excited right. about that. So that'll get out into communities and um, you know, yes, we have a statewide presence, but that doesn't mean that we're at all the places where kids are. Right. So this enables us to pull up to summer camps. This enables us to pull up to the park. This enables us to pull up to, um, you know, food distributions that mm -hmm. are happening around exactly. the state. Um, this enables us to, you know, encourage students to read. And so if they, you know, we've been talking to a number of different organizations who want to set up incentives. Mm -hmm. The bookmobile showing up as an incentive. Absolutely. So we're really excited to explore all of the different ways the bookmobile can help us expand our programming. Right. And I suspect the reason I brought it up also is because of the, you know, the volunteer possibility. Yeah. So there's going to be plenty of opportunities for volunteers to come. And you don't have to come to Brantford. You can right. you know, when you find out there's the bookmobile stop in your community. We're going to need your help giving out those books. Exactly. So, we'll bring the we'll bring the volunteer opportunity to them. Now. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> so. And that's going to probably happen in May of this year. Yes. So we'll get Roughly. the vehicle, and then June launch. And okay. Another thing that you'll be able to find on the website when we get it up and running. Okay. You know, what's the what? How do you request the bookmobile? What are, what's the schedule that we have laid out? What does it mean to have a bookmobile stop at your site? All of those things will be All right, what website. does it mean to have a bookmobile stop at your site? <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good question. Oh, I um, so, you know, I think it depends on the site. So, you know, I can imagine if we stop at, say, a Head Start preschool, sure. and they have four classrooms, mm -hmm. and every child gets a chance to walk up onto the bookmobile and look at the books and pick one or two books that Thank speak you. to them. And they get to go home with those books and they get to keep those books. There you go. So, um, you know, and I think we're also looking at what are the activities that we can do with the bookmobile as well. So it's not just kids getting books, but can we do read alouds? You know, we have we have um, community partners who want us to show up for their big their big events. Right. So there's lots of things happening in the bookmobile is yet another opportunity um, for families to, you know, explore and have fun and um, and uh, I think you know somebody I was speaking to earlier this week um, they it's actually uh, the wonderful leader of Waterbury Reads in Waterbury okay Tina and she said you know you're gonna outgrow it really fast and you're gonna want another one. Oh boy. <laughs> so her uh -oh. prediction is we're gonna want a fleet of bookmobiles oh, no. to go around the state. Uh -oh. <laughs> so the one thing we have going for us is that, you know, unlike the wonderful library system where the, where they have to get the books back, we don't get the books back. No, we want they the get books to keep to the stay. books. Exactly. They get to exactly. keep the books, which yes. is pretty cool. Yes. Yes. So we're going to get a fleet of bookmobiles, huh? <laughs> hmm, oh, good. <laughs> From your mouth to God's ears. There you right? go. Where's <laughs> the funding? Bring it in. <laughs> exactly. exactly. There's a branding opportunity. You've got it, a vehicle going exactly. all over Connecticut. So, right. Yes. Now, how do you, speaking of funding, how do you guys get funded? 
It's a great question. You so like that, huh? largely through the generosity of individual donors. Okay. Uh, we, uh, unless you count the PPP loan, of which we were, you know, we were very right. lucky to get one or two actually. Um, okay. We don't get federal or state funding. We don't apply for those big grants. We get funding from foundations. Okay. Yeah. Uh, corporate foundations, family foundations, general foundations, and then we also, you know, individual donors give us funds. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the average donation is between 25 and 50 bucks. Um, of course, we have incredible donors who give more. significantly more right. than that. Right. Um, but 25 bucks times you know, a thousand people. Yeah, yeah. That has an impact. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, for the donors that are only able to give five dollars right. or ten dollars, it 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 all matters. Right. Um, so and it all means something. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes. No. I, we send a you know, a thank you letter to every donor that gives us something, and we take the time to write a note on it in addition right. to what we've printed because. You know, you don't you don't want to take that generosity for granted. No, of course not. Yeah, it really means something when there's so many causes to give to. Oh, absolutely. We are really grateful when people choose Read to Grow. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so what else are you guys up to? So we've um, you know we've been looking at our programming and it's very good. Right. right. <laughs> I can't sit up here and tell you otherwise. No, but of course not. There's always opportunities for improvement, and so. Um, you know, as a team, we look at, well, are we, are we reaching the people we say we're reaching? Right. Are we, um, are we reaching the people that really need us? Mm -hmm. And are we reaching them in a way that has impact? Right. And so when you look at um, just making little tweaks to our programming, right? So this ties into funding too. If you are able to, you know, we get all of these incredible book donations, but sometimes the books don't necessarily match what we need to give out. Right. Um, and we know that if we give books that are representative of the children that we're serving, they're more apt to be interested in those books. Absolutely. If they're up-to-date contemporary books, kids are going to be much more excited about them Absolutely. by and large. And so when we are able to have... Um, you know, control over our purchasing line for our books mm -hmm. to raise that amount a bit. And as executive director, that's something that I'm working on, right? Giving us a little bit more purchasing power so that we can be more deliberate in the books that we put into our inventory to meet the demands where, you know, the requests that we receive. Yeah. Right. And parents are getting really savvy, right? Yeah. They're, they're saying, you know, I want books that have to do with STEM for right. my third grader right, exactly. <laughs> or I want books that have to do with math or I want, you know, an early reader adventure series that is, you know, exciting for my, you know, early reader, my kindergartner. Exactly. Um, and so we know what parents want. We know what kids want because mm -hmm. they tell us. Right. And so we want to be able to, you know, literally give them give them what they want exactly <laughs> in terms of the books exactly so. now the inventory that you guys have does it mm -hmm. change periodically or is the inventory of the book still still the same that's a really great question so the books that we publish you know welcome to the world and hello sometimes those are now part of our inventory into perpetuity right um 
but uh, that is if we can keep them on the shelves. Exactly. <laughs> so, um, but uh, you know, I think what you're seeing in terms of book donations, what we see, so we also get donations from publishers. We okay. get books that they didn't sell. Um, so we occasionally get, and that's incredible, right? Yeah. We get these huge, you know, freight <laughs> deliveries yeah. of massive, I'm talking like yeah. massive pallets of filled of books. with books. Um, and that's where the volunteers come in handy because they help go. us sort them. Uh, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, we get 300 copies of whatever board book that, you know, is an amazing board book. Right. Um, and so those kinds of donations are also incredibly helpful. Um, but it varies every time, right? Mm -hmm. Because those are the books that didn't sell in the last year. Exactly. So that's going to look different than, you know, the next delivery. Um, and, you know, I would say something to think about, and I've learned myself, right? When you, when you clean out your home and you donate things to another charity, you want to make sure that what you're donating is of good quality. Uh, yeah. You don't want to burden that charity with the stuff that probably should have ended up in the dumpster. No. So don't donate that broken lamp to Goodwill. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> That's okay. You don't have to donate your broken lamp. Same thing with books. Same thing with books. Don't donate the moldy books. Don't donate the books that have been in the basement that where they, you had a flood. Yeah. Don't donate the books that are all ripped. Nope. You know, that doesn't have a cover. Exactly. Um, we want the books that we give to children to be beautiful. Absolutely. Because we want them to want to read. And so, you know, it says just as much about what we think of the children that we give the books to when mm -hmm. the books are beautiful. Absolutely. So I always tell people, if you've got books on your shelves that are in good condition and they're children's books, we would love to take them. But if they are not in good condition anymore because they're well loved, right. it's okay to say goodbye. Exactly. <laughs> it's okay. They're, it's okay. It's absolutely. okay to throw out some books. Absolutely. So. It, it, it is absolutely okay to throw out some books, especially yeah. if, they've, if they have the wear and tear on them. That's that, right. They've lived a good life. You can <laughs> repurpose them for art projects. We see that happening too. But right. That's okay if you can't quite bring yourself to throw out a book. We understand. Um, but you don't have to give them to us. <laughs> exactly. You can cut out pictures and glue them on somewhere. And yeah, yeah, exactly. And there you go. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds like a fun art project to me. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Which, yes. Is all, which is always a fun thing. Yes. Yes. So going forward, what's going on? So, you know, I think we're going to get this bookmobile underway. And that's, I think there's so many possibilities with this bookmobile. I'm really excited to see where it takes us. And if we end up with a fleet, so the next time I'm sitting in this chair, we'll see how many bookmobiles we have. Bring them all um, in the parking lot here, and, <laughs> and we can film the show outside. We right? could. There we go inside we, the bookmobile. There, there you go. All right. I like that. It's you're on, Pete. All right. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, so I think that'll be interesting. Um, we get calls all the time saying, you know, how did you start your program, and how do I bring it to my state? Right. Um, and there's always been a question at Read to Grow, you know, do we go beyond Connecticut? Is this a program that stays in Connecticut and is really good at doing what it does in Connecticut? Right. Is this a program that could expand regionally? Mm -hmm. um, there really isn't any other program that does what we do in the hospitals okay. um, or and really the prenatal mm -hmm. piece. 
those two components are unique to Read to Grow. There are certainly other organizations that are giving books to kids. Right. We are not the only organization doing that. No. Um, but the way that we partner with communities, the way that we partner with, you know, we're nothing without our partners. Absolutely. Truly. We rely on their expertise for what they know how to do with kids, and we give them the resources. So I think there's, there's some questions to be answered about you know, read, read to Grow is growing, mm -hmm. and what does that growth look like? Right. And um, what's sustainable, you know, in terms of funding? Yeah. All of those questions, all of them are exciting questions, absolutely. right? Like, absolutely. we can sure stay exactly as we are and do the good work. Right. Um, and that's, that's fine, too. We reach a lot of kids that way. And so. we reach all over the state of Connecticut. Across the state of Connecticut, oh, yes. The whole state. The whole state, literally. Yeah. Literally, you can look at a map and every single county, almost every single region of that county, we've gotten book requests, we've gotten books out, we have a hospital program or a prenatal program, so, or book place. Yeah. And now with the bookmobile, it'll be even more. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. So, I'm excited to see, um, you know, we've got a great staff that, the people that I go to work with every day wake mm -hmm. up with the same passion as I do. Okay. And some of them probably even more than I do. <laughs> and they're just, you know, um, we have a lot of former teachers okay. um, who know firsthand what it means to have access to books right. and the difference that makes. Right. And so there's truly a passion that drives everyone at Read to Grow. It's palpable. And that's exciting to walk Absolutely. into that building and feel that. One thing we didn't talk about, where are you in Brantford? We are at 53 School Ground Road, so off of exit 56, okay. off of 95, mm -hmm. just down the hill from the USS Chowder Pot. Sure. Um, yep. And we're in uh, River Run. It's a just a complex. There's a great uh, Mexican-Italian restaurant, Arturo's in the front of our building and then read to grow is the rest of the building. Okay. So stop to get books and then go have <laughs> a churro <laughs> and <laughs> it's very good food. I is it? Say. It ah. is really good. Best kept secret in Brantford, I think. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Um, but you know, then we're also statewide, but our, our headquarters are You guys are in Brantford. Brantford. Now, what are hours of operation for the warehouse if people want to come in? Obviously, sure. obviously you have to sign up, sign up and then yep. you, you can mail the books, but if somebody wants to stop in and right. drop off or pick up, you can yeah, make so the appointment. We, we, you can make an appointment. We are open nine to five, Monday through Friday. Okay. Um, and then the, you know, the online sign up for drop off, we have various times. Yep. And occasionally we open on the weekends for book drops. So for people who can't make it out during the work week, we totally right. understand. Um, and, you know, and then we also just reopened our uh, our policy of being able to pick up book drives. So if you, during COVID, we required people to drop them off. Okay. So if you run a book drive uh, and you get over 200 books through your book drive, we will come and pick up the books for you. Excellent. So you don't have to drive down to Brantford. Excellent. Now, how much fun is it to host a book drive? I would say it's one of the best things about, so we just, <laughs> we just had a middle school in Trumbull. Okay. Um, eighth graders. It was clear their social studies teachers had given them a civics uh, task and okay. they had to do a book drive for Read to Grow. And All so right. we had 
um, they ended up collecting almost 3,000 books for us. Wow. And they dropped them off over, you know, each kid had to drop off the books that they collected. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had to count them and clean them, make sure they were all set. I mean, that was incredible. And that, so that yeah. was a, a, a group effort. Um, we had an incredible supporter in Hartford, Jillian Puzzo. She has a Instagram feed, um, Book Bar CT, okay. where she gives recommendations for books. Okay. She just did a book drive, almost 4,000 books. Oh, wow. Um, brand new books, a lot of them. A lot of people Venmoed her, and then she was able to purchase books because okay. she knows the kind of books we want. Right. There's also, for people who don't want to sort of, you know, who don't have the space or they don't have an area for people to collect books, mm-hmm. you can do an online book drive. So we have, if you call Read to Grow, we'll help you get set up with an online option so you can share the link and people anywhere can go and purchase books and then the books are sent to Read to Grow. So that's cool. a, another way to, to give to Read to Grow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, the, the online book drives are really cool, actually. Yeah, I was going to say, that, <laughs> say, that sounds really cool. Yeah, yeah, that's a, another silver lining of the horror that was co- that is COVID. Yeah, but, right. Um, you know, the exactly. online element. Exactly, so. and it's probably not that hard to do an online book drive. It's not. There's Just a, sign up a couple, yeah. enter some information, there you go. Right. You're good to go. Well, and then there's, um, you know, our wonderful partners at RJ Julia. Mm-hmm. During the winter months, they run um, a campaign where you can either go into the store in person mm-hmm. at both their Madison store and their um, Middletown store. Sure. And there's a shelf with Read to Grow books. You buy them at a discount, those books come to Read to Grow, and the store takes care of getting those books to us. Really? And you can also cool. go online, and when you're doing your Christmas shopping, in addition to the books you're buying for all the people in your life, you can buy some of the books off the Read to Grow list, and then they get sent directly to Read to Grow. So Excellent. Hundreds of books have been donated to us that way, and they're beautiful books. Are they? Beautiful, yes. So we're actually hoping that um, other indie bookstores across Connecticut will yep. pick up that lead and hold a Read to Grow bookshelf or book of the month for Read to Grow Damn. and sell them at a discount so that we can, you know, benefit from the Absolutely. wonderful generosity of their supporters. Before we say goodnight, website really quick one more time for Read to Grow. Where are we going? www.readtogrow.org. Susanna from Read to Grow, thanks for some time. Hopefully we'll see you again soon. Thank you so much, Pete. You got it. On behalf of Susanna, I'm Pete Mazzetti. Thanks, good night, and we'll see you next time.